Good morning, church. My name is Jacob, and I will be reading along with Josh from Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. And the angels came and attended him. These words are true. And they can be trusted. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Can we put our hands together and live a shout of praise to Jesus, the one who is with us, the one who is always for us? We speak his name. We praise his name. It is a joy to be together. It's a joy to be in the house of the Lord. You can be seated. I'm so grateful for our church, grateful for a church that proclaims and lives the name of Jesus. We're living representations of him to the world everywhere we go. If we haven't met yet, my name is Pastor A.J. Wilk. I'm on staff here at Trinity and just such an awesome privilege to be part of this team, part of this church. I know so many of you and grateful for the wonderful people we have here at Trinity. Specifically, I want to start with a couple different things uh, regarding some announcements before we get into the message today. And it relates to my title, my job title here at Trinity. Uh, my job title is Young Adult Pastor and Mobilization Pastor. Young Adult Pastor pretty much means I oversee Awaken, which is our young adults and college students here in Indianapolis and Indiana Wesleyan University, a couple other places. We're so grateful for young adults, the emerging generation, how they're coming alive to God. I just want to say this. If you are a young adult, maybe 18 to 35, uh, single, married, dating, wherever you're at in that, or if you love a young adult, would you get connected with me? I would love to have a conversation with you. would love to get connected with how they can get plugged into our church. And we're just so grateful for Awaken and that amazing community here at Trinity. And the second thing, the more maybe less self-explanatory term of my job title is mobilization pastor. I've had a few people in the congregation come up and say, what does that even mean, mobilization? Essentially what that means is we say at the end of every single service, you are... All right, that was pretty good. I like it. 9 a.m., ready to roll. Let's go. You are sent. What that means is that you, as a follower of Jesus, are part of the priesthood of all believers. That you actually are filled with the love of God. You are a son, a daughter, and you share that love of God. God sends you to your home, to your neighborhood, to your workplace, and you get to be the hands and feet. You actually get to be real light and love in those places. And so I just get to help equip and lead us all towards what it looks like to live sent for the Lord. 
All that to say, there's a slide on the screen here. We have our next Scent Sunday. It's coming up. It's August 6th. Pastor Mike takes every July and he prepares. He goes before the Lord and gets sermons and things ready. That's his first Sunday back. You will not want to miss it. When Pastor Mike comes off of his time in July, we are roaring, ready to go. It's going to be amazing vision. And we as the church are going to live sent. We're going to take the gospel to Indianapolis and beyond. It's going to be amazing. Every single service that day is at East Fishers, our other campus on Olio Road. There's a 9 a.m. and an 11 a.m. service where we're going to pray, encounter the Lord. And then the whole church is invited back for an amazing meal at 5 o'clock where we discover what it looks like to strategize, plan, how do we live sent. Y'all with me? August 6th, 9, 11, and 5. Cannot wait to see you there. This announcement, as I was thinking about that, I'm like, okay, I got to share my job title and a little bit about Awake and a little bit about Living Scent. But then I realized, wow, this actually connects somewhat to the message today because what we're talking about is we're talking about Jesus in the wilderness that was just read by Josh and Jacob. And when I think of the wilderness, I think of dry seasons, I think of difficulty, challenge, temptation, testing, and it's in those seasons where it's really difficult, it's really hard, if I'm being honest, as I was praying and studying, it's really hard to want to live fully alive for God. It's hard to sometimes feel his love in those seasons, to live out his love to our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our family. It can be hard to actually feel like God's sending me or God's even with me at all in a wilderness or desert season. And with that, I want to begin this morning in prayer together. So if you would, bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Jesus, we are looking to you. We're looking to you this morning for how you modeled a dry season, a difficult testing, a hard spot. And we just ask, would you form in us, would you make in us hearts that are open and ready to receive what you have for us in good seasons and bad seasons, in beautiful things, and in hard things. Lord, I pray that your word would speak. I pray that even, Lord, I would decrease, you would increase. We want to hear from you today. We want to hear from your word, your Holy Spirit. And I pray for each person, maybe even right now as we're praying, they're identifying, this is a difficulty I'm walking through. This is a, this is a tough spot in my life. I pray that you would bring those to mind and show us, Jesus, how you're in the midst of it. Show us how you're on the move and you're wanting to use us to live sent, to be filled with your love and share your love with the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray and the whole church says, Amen. As we step into the wilderness with Jesus, I want to introduce you to two people, one of which you definitely don't know and one of which you you may know. The first person was my Grandpa Grady. Love my Grandpa Grady a lot. He passed away just a couple years ago. And my grandma and grandpa, they lived three minutes from our house growing up. I would bike over there all the time, spent lots of time playing euchre and cribbage and eating amazing food. It was the classic grandparent house where we go and uh, we get all the good food and come back and then we don't want dinner from our mom and dad. It's, It's wonderful. The second person I want to introduce you to, her name, she was part of our church. Uh, Her name was Pat Estes. Pat Estes passed away just even this past year. And she's just a wonderful, amazing lady. Her husband, Joe, actually, if you're watching online right now, Joe's the reason you can see me. He runs all of our tech in the back with the video. He's amazing. 
And Joe and Pat are just amazing people, and Michaela and I got to know them well, and, and Pat was one of the most steadfast, loving people you'll ever meet. It was an honor to get to know her over the past few years. I had the privilege, the difficult privilege, of being with both of them, my grandpa and Pat, a lot in the last few weeks of their life. As they were dying, deteriorating in their earthly bodies, talk about a wilderness season, talk about a difficult time. Literally, they're without health itself. They're without the the mental, physical function that we all rely on and need to survive. Everything is deteriorating. It's falling apart. And my expectation going into those last few weeks was kind of this. All right, I've got to be the grandson. I've got to be the pastor. I've got to be the person that goes in and encourages, tries to be hope, tries to show faithfulness, tries to help even show them that they can be content. And I don't know what it was about these two people But for some reason, I would leave every time. I met with them multiple times over the last few weeks of their lives. I would be the one leaving encouraged. I would be the one leaving more hopeful, more grateful, more my eyes more on Jesus. And I I was thinking, even as I was preparing for this sermon, how is that possible? How are they in the middle of the hardest wilderness of their life? Everything's deteriorating. They're literally dying. They didn't make it through the fight on this earthly side, and yet every time I spoke to them, they encouraged me, were hopeful. They were the ones who actually spoke life and beauty. How is that possible? I want to say this phrase, and I think it sums up my grandpa and Pat's perspective in the wilderness in a hard time, and I think it describes many people who follow Jesus faithfully. In the middle of the difficulty, they saw Jesus. They saw Jesus in it. He was with them and they looked to him. They didn't look to just the circumstances, just the difficulty, just the deterioration. They looked to Jesus. We're going to talk a lot more about that throughout the morning, but they looked to Jesus. Keep that in mind. Let's now together go look at Jesus In Matthew chapter 4, as was read earlier, I just want to read the beginning and the end of Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. You can follow along in your own Bible if you'd like to. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, dot, 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 we just heard those three temptations, turn these stones to bread, jump off this, the angels will save you, and bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything. He was tested. He was tempted by the tempter, by Satan. At the end, Jesus says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came, and they attended him. This morning, with this passage, I'm not going to focus specifically, maybe as you've heard preached over the years in church, I'm not going to focus specifically on the individual aspects of the three temptations. The bread, the jumping off, and the trying to worship Satan as he he tries to get him to do. I'm not going to focus on that. Rather, I'm going to focus on this idea. This idea of the role of wilderness in the Christian life. 
What is the role of wilderness? What part does it play in our lives? Because Jesus, fully God, was also fully human, as human as us. And wilderness, desert, played a role in his life, and it plays a role in our lives as well. God has a purpose. He has a redemption plan for all that we experience, all the difficulty, the trial, the heartache, and the pain. For a little bit of context, the wilderness is vastly different back then in the Judean wilderness that we maybe can think of now. When I think of wilderness, I might think of the Canadian forests that are just massive and you can just see it forever. There's just tree lines going and going and going. Maybe I think of even a desert, just like pure sand and a little oasis with some water. But the Judean wilderness was a little bit different. I have a picture on the screen of it. You can see that. For miles and miles and miles, it's just hills of pretty much nothing. It's barren. It's without substance, life, anything to provide nourishment. I, our, our team helped kind of pick this photo. If you can see in the bottom left-hand corner, there's two people in the photo. If they keep walking, they are not going to be in good shape. They're going to just keep going and going and going. And hopefully that the paved path that wasn't there in 0 AD, um, hopefully that will lead them back to safety. Just nothing. Vast nothingness. And what Jesus did was he went to this nothingness. He journeyed in and he spent 40 days led by the Spirit in nothing. Not eating, not drinking. He was without. Talk about in in the scripture it says he fasted 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. It's almost like the most no-duh statement in scripture. You don't eat for 40 days, 40 nights. You're hungry. Okay, there we go. He was emulating his environment. He was without food, without nourishment, because that's where he went. This was actually a common practice in Jewish tradition, because if you remember the big story, how we've gone in the beginning, the chosen ones. In the chosen ones, we looked at Moses. Moses and the Israelites. And it was actually traditional that the desert, the wilderness, was a time of pruning, cleaning, preparation, There was a readying aspect of the wilderness. And so Jesus went and did that. Even last week, Ty preached about the idea of John the Baptist living in the wilderness. He didn't just do it for 40 days. He lived a life of being without, being in nothing, to try to make a way for the Lord to come. I want to define wilderness this way. The wilderness, the desert, a dry season, a season of testing, or a challenging stretch is most clearly seen in Scripture as a prolonged period of being without. There's a prolonged period of being without. In in today's time, let's just think of a few examples of what that could be. That could be prolonged time without food, resources. There could be a prolonged time where you don't feel closeness with God. You're without closeness to God himself. Comfort, safety, health. It can even be relational wilderness. Maybe there's a a relationship in your life that is distant, that you're without, that you're longing for more of. As my grandpa and Pat and many of you all have experienced, health is something we can be without. There can be very fear-driven times, hard times when we don't have what our bodies were meant to do. The wilderness is most clearly seen in Scripture as a prolonged period of being without. Now, I want to call out kind of the elephant in our culture, the elephant in the room, per se. And it's this, 
We live in a society that is constantly telling us, telling you and telling me that more is better. Our culture is the culture of more. More money, more influence, more safety, more healthy living, more pleasure, more comfort. While none of that, of course, is inherently bad, it can lead us to thinking that being without is one of the worst things that can happen. Oh my gosh, I'm without. This is what culture tells me the worst thing that can happen to me when I'm without. But being without is not always all bad. It does have a role to play in our lives. What if God used times of being without to lead us to something far more important than just having more of what we want? I want to zoom out for a second to a global church perspective. We are part of the church, the bride Jesus is coming for. We're living sent. We're activating our lives that we might be aligned with the gospel. But we are just a small piece, even in today, of the church. We're the North America, United States church in Indianapolis, Indiana. The church globally actually has a lot to speak to on different issues, just as we can speak to and form a well-rounded picture of issues. And the global church, I think, has a really good perspective on the wilderness of being without. Because for us, wilderness and maybe even some pushback or some challenge, some persecution, though I think it might be even too strong of a word for what we face, that might look like we might be without respect from someone. We no longer have the admiration of society. We don't have certain resources, certain rights might be taken away from us. Wilderness for the global church, though, in South America, Africa, Asia, other places, looks a lot more like being without safety. Their families are literally ripped from them, or they are ripped from their family. There's family brokenness. They're without basic human needs as they endure persecution, hardship. What Christians in Asia and in the 1040 window, some of them are experiencing It looks verbatim like Matthew chapter 5, the very next chapter where Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. They have a lot to offer, a lot to add. And there's actually this book called Faith in the Wilderness. If you want to write it down, you can check it out later. It's called Faith in the Wilderness. Timothy Keller, who just passed away this year, he writes the introduction to it. And this is one of his quotes in the introduction of this book. I want to read it to us. Every beatitude, and just a quick interjection, the beatitudes is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the very next chapter. So Jesus is in the wilderness. He's experiencing being without, being readied. And then the very next chapter, he comes out and he preaches the beatitudes. He preaches the Sermon on the Mount. It's the opening sentences, the opening teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. Timothy Keller says this, Every beatitude that Jesus preached is a characteristic of a Christian. Every Christian must be poor in spirit or you are not a Christian. Every Christian must hunger and thirst for righteousness or you are not a Christian. And this is the last of the Beatitudes, which means that Jesus assumes that if you are a Christian, in some regard or another, you will be persecuted. If you are living in any way consistently with Christianity, you will experience some kind of loss, some kind of pushback, some kind of opposition. It's the end of the quote. John 16, 33, 
which is Jesus' later teaching in the other Gospel of John, I think confirms Keller's interpretation that every Christian experiences every beatitude and we we are called to live into those. Jesus says, I told you these things so that you can have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Even right now, Jesus, I just want to cling to the word. And I want to cling right now in your name. Would you put a spirit of peace over this room? We ask for your peace in this place. We ask that you would be the giver and the prince of peace. That whatever we're going through, even right now, Holy Spirit, would you make Jesus known to us? Would you make peace real? In Jesus' name, amen. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's one of the most disappointing promises that Jesus gives us in Scripture. You will have trouble. Jesus promises trouble. He promises difficulty. The way I might describe it is he promises wilderness. He promises that you will be without. You will have a season, a prolonged period of not having what you desire, not having it all. When I was assigned this topic and began to study and prepare and work through lots of the different resources, my first inclination was, man, this is a little bit of a a bummer of a sermon. This is a little bit of a a heavier topic, wilderness in the Christian life. And honestly, for the American dream that I've been so indoctrinated and so pulled to, this is a real bummer of a sermon. It exposes the false promise. This passage And Jesus' life, it exposes the false promise that technology, medicine, dating apps, healthy living can lead to a flourishing life. Those aren't bad, but they're not our Savior. They're not where our hope lies. They're not where we build our foundation. We don't build it on what we can do. We build it on who God is. Because we are still human. We still make mistakes. We contribute to the brokenness of this sinful world. The wilderness, or season of being without, isn't optional in the Christian life. It's a guarantee. It's going to happen. What I want to do right now is I want you to go ahead and just look around the room for a second. Just look at our church. You, you can look around and just wave, maybe wave at somebody. You can tell them you're glad that they're here. As you've looked around the room, what I want to do right now is I want to call on some of the older adults in our church. Maybe the 50 pluses or whatever number we want to assign. We're not going to assign you a number based on looking at you. Don't worry. I want to call on the older adults in our church right now because here's the deal. When you have a wilderness or seven in your rearview mirror, you begin to see why it's not only a guarantee, but the formative role it has in our lives. You, you see that. You know that. If you've walked with Jesus for any significant amount of time, you know that wilderness is a guarantee. You've been through it. You've been through seasons of being without, without relationship, without security, without closeness with God. You've gone through dry seasons, difficult temptations, hard things. And here's what I want to call on. I'm not calling out the older adults in the room. I'm calling on you. We need you. If you are in the younger half of the room, would you go find one of these people 
introduce yourselves, or maybe you already have a relationship, and take them out for coffee sometime in the next couple weeks. You buy for them too. That'd be awesome. Take them out for coffee. Ask them what it's been like to walk through a wilderness season. Have them share with you how they stuck close to Jesus, how they navigated it, how they saw Jesus prove himself faithful. I am a different person. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm a different person, a different husband, a different pastor, a different son, because I walked through my grandpa's and Pat's wilderness season with them. I'm a different person. I am a changed person. The joy that they had, the steadfast hope, the fact that they saw Jesus through it all, I am a changed man. I am not the same. And I know that in a small 45-minute coffee, we can begin to do this for each other in the church. That we can begin to make each other more true, more hopeful, more trusting of the God who has always been faithful and always will be. I'm calling on the older adults in the room and calling out our younger people as well. Go get coffee. Have conversations. We need intergenerational relationship. We need to share about the faithfulness of God. Amen? We have to be these kind of people. So what is the role of the wilderness? That's the topic for today. What does it do? How does it shape us? What is the role of wilderness in the Christian life? To recap again, wilderness in the Christian life is a season of being without. And it calls us back to the one we are never without. It calls us back to him. Back to the text, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. One of the most interesting phrases in this passage, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Do you know that Jesus wasn't abandoned to the wilderness? He wasn't rejected. He didn't stumble into the wilderness and God kind of shoved him in there and said, go figure this out. The Spirit was actually with him, led him in the wilderness, showing that there's actually purpose. There's actually meaning behind what we experience. Now, I will say this. Jesus being perfect, the perfect Son of God, never made a mistake, was fully the spotless Lamb the sinless person, the only one who's ever been perfect. He didn't create a wilderness season by his own sin or wrongdoing. We can do that. We can create our own wilderness seasons by the mistakes and the contributions and the rebellion against God in our lives. I think some of the ways we can differentiate wildernesses we're in is we can ask ourselves, did God lead me? Did you put yourself in the desert by a rebellious or a sinful action that that put you in a season of without? Or did someone else create the desert for you? Were they, were they not stewarding your life well? Did they hurt you? Did they come against you? I think in the parables Jesus, Jesus shares of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son, that can explain how we can kind of get into a wilderness. Are you the lost coin? Has someone done wrong to you? Are you the lost sheep? Did you kind of just wander, stumble into a wilderness and you find yourself there? Or are you the prodigal son? Did you make a rebellious choice and, and find yourself there? Well, what kind of wilderness is it? The truth is the same, though. If God is leading you or inviting you into a wilderness, or even if you created it or someone else created it for you, his purpose in your life remains the same because he is the God of creation and he's the God of redemption. He can create paths for you to walk. 
And if you choose the wrong path, he's not done with you. Church, can I just say this? If you've gone astray, if you're the lost sheep, or if you're the prodigal son, God is just as for you because he's the God of redemption just as much as he's the God of creation. He creates amazing stories for us, and he redeems when we go away from his story. He's always pursuing, always for you, and he wants to do three things in the wilderness season. He wants to clarify. He wants to create. He wants to redeem three things in your life in the wilderness season, and you can write these down. He wants to create and redeem your identity. He wants to create and redeem your calling. And he wants to create and redeem your relationship with himself. Those are the three things he does in the wilderness. Do you realize that before Jesus went into the wilderness, in his baptism, the sky opened up and the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I love him. He said that about his son, and it's in the wilderness where 40 days, 40 nights without food, he's in the season of being without, that is established. That is concretized. It is so firm in him. Jesus believes that, understands that, and comes more fully into who he is in his identity as the son of God. The wilderness shapes that in him. Calling is the second thing. You know that all throughout God's history, wilderness has been a place of preparation. Wilderness has been a place where God himself prunes, clarifies, calls out. Jesus was as human as us. He was as divine as God, as human as us. It's the most beautiful thing of the hypostatic union, how in one person, Jesus was all of it. And Jesus was actually doing something in the wilderness, He wasn't just going in there as a token. Oh yeah, I'll I'll just try to understand what humans go through. He was going in there to actually do something. He was growing in the understanding of who he was made to be, his calling. The wilderness was integral in his preparation. How he handled the cross, how he handled the garden, all of these things were formed because of the wilderness, because of a season of being without. He knew his calling. He came out and preached the Sermon on the Mount, did healing because God prepared him in the wilderness. And finally, God wants to invite you back or into more relationship with himself in the wilderness. This faith in the wilderness, there's a pastor in the underground church in China in this book, and this is a quote from him. It's going to be on the screen. I'll read it out loud for us together. This is what the wilderness can do. The Christian hope lies in this. We are not stronger or purer than others. Instead, Rather than believing in ourselves, church, we believe in Jesus. We believe in the one who upholds us when we fall, who comforts us when we give up, who strengthens us when our strength is drained, who loves us when we are in pain, who does does not give us up even when we are hopeless about ourselves. We're going to move to response here. I can invite the band to come up. The hope is that the wilderness might remove some of our own self-sufficiency, might remove some of our own trust in ourselves, might remove some of the fact that I can do it all or I have it together. The hope is that the wilderness, like this pastor in underground China who experiences being without in a crazy way, it would be that the Christian hope, our hope, would lie in that we are not stronger, we are not purer, rather we believe in the one who is. We believe in Jesus.
there's a question that's asked oftentimes in pastoral counseling, spiritual direction, and it's this question of sometimes even in wellsprings that we do with our church, we ask the question, where is Jesus in this? Where is Jesus in this? I asked the question at the beginning, how is it possible that my grandpa and Pat, and I know so many others that I've walked through, how do they actually have hope? How do I leave feeling hopeful? How do they actually be an encouragement when they're going through an unbelievably difficult wilderness? And I would say the answer is the same answer that Jesus had in Matthew chapter 4. It's the same answer we can have today. They didn't just know in their minds that Jesus was with them. They lived in their hearts and in every moment, I see Jesus. I see the one who will never abandon me, never forsake me. He's establishing my identity as a son and daughter of the Most High God. He's establishing my calling and he's bringing me closer to himself. God invites us to embrace the wilderness season, not for our demise and downfall, but for our good and flourishing. You know, he wants your good. He wants your flourishing. I want you to go ahead and take out the next steps cards and you can put the next slide on the screen. There's this, Jesus is in my blank. I will look to him. I would love for every one of us in the church, because we all go through wilderness seasons, we all go through difficulty, we all have dryness and hardship. I want to be a church that steps out in faith. That even if we can't see it with our eyes, even if the circumstances don't dictate it, even if we feel like everything is pressing and crushing and against us, we want to be a church that says, Jesus is in my blank. He's in my marriage. He's in my kid that has wandered from the Lord. He's in my health that is just so difficult right now. He's in my finances. He's in my job that just, I have so much tension going on, so much pressure. He's in these things. He's in my seasons of without, and I will look to him. I will look to him. That's just the commitment. That's the That's the move that we want to make as a church this morning, that as Jesus was tempted and tested in the wilderness, the enemy wants to capitalize. He wants to make you more discouraged, more defeated. He wants to pull you into his corner, pull you into his ways. God wants you to be a son and daughter of his, to know what you're calling, what your next step for life is, and ultimately, to be closer with him. So if you would, fill in that blank. Jesus is in my what? What is he in? In faith, what is he in? And then during this song, what we're going to do is we're going to stand together as a church and we're going to bring these cards forward. We're going to lay them down, trusting that the God who saw Jesus through, every believer through, will see you through too. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, show us right now what are our wildernesses. What are those dry seasons? What are those difficult things where we're without, where we have lack? And would you show us right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, where are you? Where are you moving? Where are you working? We believe that you are in it, and we will look to you. In Jesus' name.
Thanks for listening to Sunday Sermon on the Made for More podcast. If you are not connected in a church community, we would love to connect with you. Send us a message on social media or fill out a digital next steps card at encountertrinity.com slash next steps.